You're listening to Are You Happy Business Podcast on Captivate. Hello, Are You Happy Podcast. I'm here with Christina Skillman from Skillman Video Group. They've been in business for 18 years now. So since 2005, they're really skilled at just anything as it pertains to video or video creation. Um, and they work with largely corporate and the B2B space. They've done a lot of industrial, they've worked with a lot of industrial companies, um, consulting companies. Um, some of the names that you might recognize that they've worked with um, are Tesla, Yamaha, MIT, um, and Boston Children's Hospital, and many, many more. Um, I guess before we start, would you mind taking it away, Christina, and let us know sort of the origin of your company and what the overall business strategy is right now? So uh, the origins of the company uh, started when I was 15 years old and actually even younger than that. I was 12 years old and my mother came home and met a woman who uh, did video production. And she said to me, uh, Christina, I think you'd, you'd be a great video producer one day. And when I was 15, I was an au pair in Chappaquiddick in Martha's Vineyard of Massachusetts. And one of the children's aunts was a producer for PBS. And I'll never forget this day because she was sitting on the beach and this was the nineties. So video cameras back then were enormous. Mm -hmm. And she's walking around this beach in Chappaquiddick with this camera on her shoulder, just, just kind of practicing and, and filming. And at that time, I just remember realizing that is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> and I want that to be my job. So I've literally wanted my own business in video production since I was 15 years old. I don't really have a plan B for my life. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I've you know, been able to make a go at it and to be good at it and um, to find an audience for my craft. And I started SVG, you know, many years later, but in 2005, literally just working out of my apartment in Somerville. I had roommates, so I was working out of my bedroom. I was posting on Craigslist. That's how I got my first clients. I didn't have a website. I didn't come from an agency model. I actually came from a nonprofit background. I had more of a background in documentary production. Um, but what I had going for me at that point in time, although I didn't realize it, of course, um, it's two things. And the first one is that technology had really caught up. So in 2005, YouTube got launched. And that might not sound like the big deal, but it really changed everything. Not just because social media gave companies and businesses a voice, but the actual technology involved with putting video on a website had to catch up. And by 2005, YouTube you know, was using something called Flash, which was such a game changer within this space. Um, and the other thing that I think was going for me is ironically, I, the way that marketing or video marketing has really been going is less about the hard sell and more about telling a genuine story and being able to connect with your audience. So ironically, having that background in documentary production um, really, I think, gave me a leg up as far as being able to help businesses use the video medium to its fullest extent and tell their story. What was, well, I'm curious, what was Flash and how did that change the industry? Um, so not to get too techno geek, but um, before Flash was invented, you had two or three or four different competing formats for video. So there was Media Player, there was QuickTime, and there might have been a few other lesser known ones. And the issue is, is that if you were on a PC, you know, the QuickTime player didn't really work well. If you were on a Mac, the Media Player didn't work at all. So you always had to have like two versions of your video. Um, you know, another piece to this was that high speed internet had to like become more ubiquitous because 
video files are just larger by nature. And back in 2005, everything was still mostly standard definition. So, but you can imagine they're still larger than a photo. So, or a GIF or something like that. So there is a bunch of different technologies that had to come into play. And what made Flash so special uh, was a couple of things. First of all, the, the two big ones are that it played on either Mac or PC. And the other one is that it really was a small file. So that mattered because if it, your website took forever to load because you had a huge video file on it, you know, like no one's going to stay on it. So Flash ended up having a lot of problems and it could get hacked and, you know, it eventually got passed away. But for its time, uh, it really was a game changer within the video industry. What do you see the um, future of video heading towards? I know there's a lot of um, like use of short form video more and more. Um, where do you see video going in terms of like marketing so i i what do you mean by short form because i've learned through the years that what short form shown from one person is not short form for another person so oh, yeah so short form like like reels and shorts and and tiktok and like where do you see that going do you see it becoming shorter and shorter do you see people starting to value longer form higher quality productions or do you see it um marketing heading in a direction where people are going to try doing storytelling in a more authentic lower quality production way where they're trying to build brands on like social media. So I think, you know, my response to that always has to do with like platform and quality. So you have to really know your audience is kind of the crux of my answer. Um, and if your audience is not on TikTok or Instagram, then you are foolish to put your marketing dollars on something that's not very evergreen that literally exists for what an hour, maybe 24 hours, and then it's gone. Um, and quite frankly, if your price point, you know, some of these, my clients have price points worth many thousands, if not millions of dollars, right? So everything in your video is communicating something about your company and your brand. And I mean, everything. So if you're going to do more user generated type of content, but you expect someone to give you a million dollar contract, to me, that doesn't match up with who your audience is because your audience is going to probably tend to be a little bit older <laughs> and they're going to want to see higher quality content from you. So because this is, this is an emotional reaction. You know, when people come to your website, what they have less than five seconds and they, they have to decide whether they like you or not. And I think where a lot of folks can miss it is they, you know, the sales funnel is that people have to know you, they have to like you, and they have to trust you before you can ask for their money. So that liking piece of it, and even that trusting piece of it is a very emotional decision. So if you're trying to sell to someone in their 40s or 50s, and you're coming at them with a TikTok video, um, your message is going to get lost. And quite frankly, like a lot of our clients are doing really complicated, complex things. Like we just have one client called Electronic Fluorocarbons, and we had to do a video series around hydrofluorolefins that you can't really do a 30 second TikTok video around that. It's just not their audience and it's not the subject matter <laughs> that we're talking about, right? So, you know, I tell my clients in the B2B space, so businesses who sell to other businesses, I think you have more time. I think you can go two minutes with your content and still keep your audience, right? So it has to be great and engaging content. But, but when you're really trying to simplify really complicated things, you just need to 
give it some time. If you're selling direct to consumers and if you're selling to a younger audience, then you are foolish to come at them with like these long videos because they ain't going to watch. So uh, there is no one size fits all when it comes to video. I think, you know, the biggest piece of advice is to remember if you own a business, uh, you are not the hero of your story. Your customer is the hero of your story. So when you're crafting your video content, it's not about you. It's really about them. I've heard that once before, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Um, I feel like oftentimes people like make that mistake and don't start, don't think about their customer first and think about what they would want and they think about what they personally want. Um, what, what, since you gave a piece of advice here, is there another piece of advice you could give about storytelling and how to, how to tell a good story? Um, particularly as it pertains to video and here's like a really big piece of advice um i particularly if i'm speaking to marketing teams right now i think there's a misconception around what the video medium is actually supposed to be Uh, and i just want to say it is not photography and is also not the written word so history uh video edits edits as its foundation is an oral history, right? It is the spoken word. It is not the written word. Um, so, but it's also not just a bunch of images flying up on the screen. Uh, so you have to take a step back. I see way too many people who, you know, when they want to write their scripts or develop their thoughts, um, don't look at your website, right? You're not writing a piece of marketing collateral. This is not a white paper. Uh, This isn't even a social media post. This is the spoken word. Um, And then you have to add in the visual element of it because there is a visual element to your video production, but it always starts with getting the narrative down first. The visuals have to support what's being said in the video. If you don't have them matching, you get what's called cognitive dissonance. Your audience is going to check out because you've lost them. Um, and you know, another piece of advice is to really keep it simple. It's, it's such a common um, misconception that you have to try to fit everything into this video. One video cannot be all things to all men. You have to be crystal clear on what the intention of this video is. At most you could fit in two, maybe three key messages. Um, and Anything above and beyond that to really get into the nitty gritty specifics, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Remember, you have two minutes. You know, the data suggests that after two minutes, the audience really starts to drop off. So you've got to be clear on what those two minutes you want to come with your best foot forward with the best content. And it's not the written word. So whenever you're writing something or crafting something, make sure that you're using like like real language. You need to talk like how people actually would talk to each other. Um, and I think those are some tips that you know we really help our clients work um, with because you get so stuck in your own head and, and you want things being said a certain way because you always say it a certain way. And I understand that. So we need to protect the brand and protect what you're trying to say. But we also need to make sure that we're using the video medium to full effect and that we're not just replicating your website. And we're not just having a bunch of images like photography. Like sometimes I go to a company's website and this is true for even B2C companies. 
And they say, oh yeah, we have video when it's really just a bunch of families smiling and having fun in an arcade, but there's no storytelling. There's no narrative. I don't hear any human voices. And I'm like, that is photography. It's just moving, right? So if you really want to use a video medium in full effect, you've got to marry both. I like that. So don't so speak in the video as if you're speaking to another person. Don't really speak as if you're writing an essay or or speak as if you're right or speaking to like some some figurative audience. You have to talk as if you're talking to another person, looking at the camera, because that's what it is. There's another person on a phone or on yes. some sort of device just watching it. And they want to be, they want to be, they want to feel like you're they're your friend. They want to be heard. They want to be spoken to. Yes. Um and I like that to keep it simple and um make it really clear like what you what the video's gonna be out in the beginning of the video. Um mm-hmm. and then or and then sort of fulfill that throughout the video. Um, what are some, what are some challenges that you've faced with them um, throughout like the 18 years that you've had your business? What are some big challenges you face and how you're able to overcome them? So we could talk for an hour on that alone. So, <laughs> but you know, some big ones for me, uh, the first real big one was of course, dealing with the great recession. You know, I was around in 2008, 2009, or 2009, 2010 for me more so. Um, And it was real painful for me um, because I was still just working for myself. I was still a one woman shop, basically. And but I'm as hard as that was, uh, what it really did was it forced me outside my comfort zone. So I really had to start doing marketing. I had to start doing networking. Um, I couldn't just rely because I'm telling you before that, like anytime I needed a job, my phone would just magically ring. I mean, it was like magic. And then when the great recession hit suddenly that kind of leads and that kind of ease of flow of income, uh, just really just dried up and got much harder. Um, but the things that I learned and, and the activities that I started doing really helped actually bring my company to the next level. And by 2011, we had had our best year ever. A year after that, we were already in downtown Boston and kind of the rest is history. Um, so that was one really important lesson. Another one was for me really overcoming imposter syndrome and I know this for a lot of people in business. Um, I really just thought, because I had some people working for me and I'm telling you, I really thought that these people gave me and my company legitimacy. And I I look back now, I'm talking about over 10 years ago now, and it seems like that's insane. That's crazy. But when they left and that year for me was 2013, where a lot of these people left, I remember feeling so exposed and so vulnerable and as, as painful as that was at the time, I'm so grateful that I went through that 10 years ago because I had to learn my own voice. I had to learn my own value. And in fact, people were coming to Stillman Video Group not to work with these two men, but to work for, with me. Like people want to work with me. They want what I bring to the table. And what I bring to the table is really good. Um, and so to, to really start to believe in that, I'm so grateful for that because as my company grows and we take on more people, I have to do what I do as Christina Skillman and know that that's good. And that these people who are working for me, um, they're great and they're wonderful and they have their own voice and they have what they bring to the table and it neither challenges me or takes away from me. Right. And so that felt like a really, really uh, important lesson for me to learn as well. And I think most recently, um, 
like right now we're really working on scaling and growing a business. And, and that has been, you know, we're really good at making great video content, but it's like, as we grow and we scale, it's, it's a different mindset from being like a really powerful or, or skilled creative. Uh, but now it's becoming like the, a powerful and skilled entrepreneur and really perfecting that skill set on um, how to grow a successful uh, and, and big business. What is, what does, what needs to happen for you to scale? What's like, what, what's next sort of? Um, what we have been working on has been <clears throat> a lot of our systems. So when you're taking the creative process, it doesn't inherently want to be put down on paper. Right. But we've had to try to do that and articulate, you know, all the different roles that, you know, I was doing, you know, spinning that out into actual different full-time roles. Um, you know, what's the animator doing? What's the editor doing? What's our actual workflow? We're using a system called Traction. And uh, there's a whole book written about it. You can look it up. You can read it. And, um, you know, it's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And we've been really following that really uh, pretty strongly for the last year and a half or so, and just really starting to see results as, as far as hiring new people. And then when they come on, um, we have a whole orientation plan and, and, a, and training, and we have this, we have all these systems and they are articulated. They are on paper. They are simplified so they can be followed by everybody. Um, and that's something that, you know, takes time. And, it takes time to take these things that were all in my head and then get them out and on paper. And then as we brought people on and we started hiring people to see if it worked as well in real life <laughs> as, it, as I thought it would. And sometimes, you know, most of the time, nope, there were tweaks that needed to be made. <laughs> so we'd have to like, you know, realize this, this worked, this didn't work and be have those conversations and make those changes really quickly in real time. I think it's really, really important as you're growing and scaling a business, um, to not get so set in your ways. Like we've always done it this way. So we're going to continue to do it this way, but to always be open to change and growth. I like that. What's the secret? Cause you've been in the business for so long. What's the secret been to your longevity? Like what, what have you done throughout all of it? that like has kept you alive. And I feel like there's been ups and downs as you've explained. Um, yeah. What's the secret to your longevity? And um, perhaps since you just spoke about it, what is, um, what is sort of the obstacle in terms of like removing yourself from the business and having other, well, not removing yourself. I'm not, I'm not I'm just implying that, but um, what is the, what, like, what are some things that you've run into when trying to get people to do different parts of what you're doing? Um, questions. Yeah. I think the, the greatest reason for our longevity has been my just fierce determination, quite frankly, because there were a lot of years when it was just me. And I'm talking about back in the earlier days, uh, where I probably most people would have given up. <laughs> um, I just had this promise in me. I had this dream in me and I just wasn't going to let anyone talk me out of it or move me out of it. I just believed in um, my company. I believed in what I was doing. I, I believed in the video medium um, and that it had a bright future. 
And I knew I just had to kind of ride out these storms and other storms have come up, you know, including COVID. Right. And it's just like, you know what, you can look at it as this obstacle has come at me to destroy me, or this obstacle has come at me to make me better. And when you start to see these problems that come up as an opportunity and part of the process of you fulfilling your destiny, um, then you learn to see problems and obstacles and valleys as opportunities to improve and come out better. And so I think that's probably my my mindset and my ability to learn and to improve and get better and to have a heartfelt desire to be the best that I can, um, I think is is why I am I'm still here and and thriving. I like that. I like when, I like when people look at sort of their obstacles in business as an analogy sort of to how you face obstacles as a person in terms of using these challenging times as an opportunity to, I mean, get stronger and just build your business to be even more like indestructible. Um, but yeah, I can sense the the passion and the, in your voice. And I could tell that that's definitely part of it. It's you as an individual, just keeping at it, no matter what hits you. Um, no matter what. <laughs> and yeah, it does seem like you're running a very successful business. And honestly, like I, you're instilling confidence in me if I ever needed like any sort of video services. I feel like, I mean, you've been in the industry, you have the credibility of being, being in the industry for 18 years um, and working with all these big companies. But um, is there, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we go? That, some, that might be something that you like to share, like another podcast, but you didn't really get into today. Can... Was there anything around happiness you wanted me to talk about? Oh yeah. How do you, so you're a business owner. How do you, how do you facilitate happiness within your business in terms of um, your culture? Like how do you make sure that your employees are doing the things that they want to be doing and are their, their work that they're doing is in line with not only their strengths, but their, just like their passion. Um, how do you create happiness in the workplace? So I think that is, you know, the secret sauce to a lot of companies is hiring the right person in the right seats. Um, I like to think that we have, there's a lot of things that we do as far as building a great culture. First of all, we've articulated our core values and we drill our employees on what they are and they have to have them memorized backwards and forwards because if they don't embody those, it will uh, cause friction and they won't last long. So we really try to be very careful in our hiring process that we are hiring the right person with the right personality uh, in, in the right seat. Um, we are very flexible and I really like to treat my employees like grown-ups. So uh, we have, there is one day a week when you have to be in Boston, you know, possibly more if there's a real reason to, but the rest of the time, like I want people working hybrid and from home. I just don't see any reason why in 21st century uh, that we all have to be in the office all day, every day. That honestly feels like a huge time drain and emotional drain. And I don't think it needs to be like that all the time for the creative process. Sometimes it is absolutely necessary, but it's not necessary every day. Um, so that's something we do to really foster a great culture. Um, we get we have a four day work week. It's not a perfect four day work week because the industry we work in sometimes you have shoots on Fridays, Saturdays, or Sundays, right? But for the most part, like we really try to give people Fridays, if not at least Friday afternoons off. Like we don't want you checking your email. We don't want you doing any work. This is your time and go. And I think that that's been really great for. Um, 
just for employee retention too, to have that kind of flexibility. Um, I'm the kind of boss, like I'm not a micromanager. So I think for the right people and those who we give very clear as far as um, end results that we're looking for, right? These are the benchmarks that you need to hit. This is the kind of results that I want to see from you. But how you choose to go about getting those results are entirely up to you. I am here if you have questions. We are here if you need, if you're having trouble, you need to brainstorm something. We're very collaborative. Like we want to help. We want to talk through things, um, but we don't want to micromanage anybody. So for people who love that kind of freedom, to be creative, to um, to pitch an idea, to say, hey, let's give it a try. I think we're very entrepreneurial. So it's we don't expect people to never make mistakes. Uh, and especially as you're scaling a business and you try something, maybe it doesn't work. The question, the conversation is never, what did you do wrong? The question is, what was wrong with the process, right? Where did the process break down? Was there a breakdown in communication? Was it a breakdown in technology? Was it a break, you know, where was the breakdown? Let's fix that because that's the problem. It's not, it's not the people, it's, it's the system. Um, and I think that gives people some freedom to know that, you know, if they try something and it doesn't work perfectly, they're not going to be thrown under the bus, like, but we need to fix it, right? We need to fix it quickly, whatever it is. And that, and to have that kind of try fast, fail fast, entrepreneurial environment, um, I think is very exciting to be around. And I, and I think for the right people, it's a very unique uh, opportunity to be in this creative space, uh, to have full-time work in the video space, to be creative day in, day out, and to have that much flexibility and freedom in what you do and how you choose to spend your time. Um, as long as the work is getting done and it's getting done in excellence and on time, um, I, I want my people to feel empowered that they can have that freedom and that flexibility. I love that answer a lot. It seems like you have taken all of the good things that I've heard that business owners are doing and like used all of them in terms of make, letting people have that ability to stay home. I mean, I haven't heard honestly that often of people having Fridays off um, the four day work week. That's like definitely a huge benefit. And I'm sure that helps you keep low turnover along with everything else that you do. Cause I feel like correct me if I'm wrong, but in the creative space, I feel like it's very, it's easier to get burnt out than in other places because you're constantly using your brain and, thinking in creative ways. And if you're not getting the proper rest and also like the, the, like the rewards from your boss saying, well, like telling you that you're doing well and having a good boss, is like super important in this industry. Um, but yeah. And like the fact that you, like you stress not micromanaging people and allowing people to have their own responsibility, I feel like it's also very important. Um, even for scalability, you want, you don't want everybody going back to you, asking you questions. You want them to take ownership of their own space, just as you take ownership of your process, which is also super important, taking accountability for whenever there's a mistake and saying, oh, like we need to fix this, this is a process issue, not necessarily a person issue. Um, all extremely good stuff. And I guess my last question is how do you, um, since you've been in this business for so long, how are you able to maintain your own happiness? What are some of the boundaries you set with work? Um, yeah, I guess just flipping the question onto you as a person, as an entrepreneur. So I think for a long time, I had a love-hate relationship with success because the busier my business would get, um, the less of a life I would have. And I think for me, the turning point was 2018. And 
I was working for clients like Boston Children's Hospital. I had clients flying me to Chicago to direct a shoot, you know, and I was dating my now husband and I was uh, uh, taking my girlfriend on a week trip to Paris for her birthday. And, you know, all of these great things were happening in my life, right, personally and professionally. And I was so stressed out that I got shingles, you know, like, and, and I think this was a light bulb that maybe the way that I had my business set up was um, not optimized properly. Like what if being really successful in business meant that I had more time and not less? What if, and I really had to start looking at my business very differently and like, how can I systematize things, right? This is when I started hiring people too, to kind of help with the workload. Um, and so, you know, how I've really kept my happiness, my happiness is having work-life balance is just huge. So I love what I do. It's important to me that I love what I do. It's important that all the people that work for me love, like you have to love this. Um, but I also love to play tennis and I love to do pickleball and I love to ski and I love to, uh, you know, go to the beach and, you know, do walk my dogs and be with my husband and see my friends. And those things are just as important to Christina Skillman living the fullest expression of who she was meant to be and why I came to this earth. And so to pay attention to all of these different places and to pay attention to rest, to give myself permission to have a day off where I don't have to get off my couch. And I could just sit there and watch streaming Netflix all day, you know? So, um, and to realize that like part of being successful, part of being happy is that I have a voice in that. I have control over that. I am the creator of my life, right? I am the captain of my ship and I can create any kind of life for myself that I want. No one else may look at my life and, and think like, that's what I want, but I don't care. It's my life, right? And as long as I'm happy and I'm fulfilled, I can do it. I can set my business up in a way so that I'm engaged and I'm busy and I'm challenged and I'm constantly, you know, having to learn and do new things, but I'm not so busy that I have no time to do anything else. Right. So I have a say in that. And if, if others can hear that and realize that, you know, you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances, particularly if you're the boss, like yeah. if you are, if you are, I did not start Skillman Video Group to be enslaved by it. So if my company is enslaving me and I, and I can't get away from my desk, then it is not serving me. I am serving it. And I have a problem with that. So, you know, it's finding that, that happiness, I think is going to be a unique journey for every person, but just, just create it. Start today, take baby steps, you know, you take control and do it. That was a very powerful answer. And I'm sure any entrepreneur listening would agree with that. Um, there's a lot of passion in your voice. I can tell that you've created a business for yourself that's in line with what your goals are as a person too. And I think it's very important. People always talk about burnout terms of their employees, but even as an entrepreneur, that's the most important piece. Like the, the leader needs to make sure that they're not burnt out and they're doing the extracurricular activities that they enjoy doing so that they can stay happy and bring happiness into the workplace instead of just stress. Um, yes. But yeah, I totally agree with you. And I can I can sense that you're doing it the right way. And you've probably learned through potentially being too like have having an overload of work before in the past and you were able to adjust and and build an environment for yourself where where you have like at least a work-life balance for yourself. So yeah, I'm very glad I asked that because I really enjoy the answer. It's very insightful. 
But um, yeah, if there's, if there's nothing else you have to add, um, it, would you mind just sharing sort of where our audience can reach you or your business um, on like the internet? Yep. So we do a lot on LinkedIn. So you can certainly search for me there. It's Christina Skillman. Um, and I'd love to connect with you or, or shoot me a message. Um, also, you can look us up on our website, skillmanvideogroup.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Uh, we are on a few different places as well on YouTube. Uh, but that's really, I think LinkedIn is where we, because we're a business that markets other business. That's where we've put a lot of our muscle behind and, and as well as our website. So those two places are where I recommend you start. All right. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate being on the podcast and all the value you offered today with your responses. And um, I hope you have a great day. Christina. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care.